Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. This episode was recorded in February, so the timeline of training and races might sound off due to the current state of the world. Also, do not listen to any advice during this episode. You'll hear why soon enough. We cover everything from Fleetwood Mac to Bob Ross to Dragon Ball Z. Our next guest has broken his leg and needed a titanium plate put in after breaking his arm during an obstacle race. He's the bionic man, and his story is going to inspire you how to push through even the most challenging of times. We're going to call this one Can't Hurt Me, Never Give Up. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. This is Darnell Morrell. Um, run for the North Brooklyn Runners. Darnell, what is <laughs> up, my man? How are you? How was your week? I'm doing I'm doing good, brother. Um, it was kind of stressful. Uh, I was training for the New York City half, so I did the Cherry Hill 10 mile this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was rough. And then uh, we had the, uh, the MBR gala yesterday. <laughs> A little slow today, then. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to run this morning because I still had to train for the New York City half in a couple weeks. So, you know. Got got to sweat out the toxins. Exactly. How was yours? Good, good. Oh, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I saw you last night. Yeah. <laughs> From what I remember, I remember dancing at some point. Yeah, I saw uh, yeah. you. I thought you were dancing. Yeah. I, I, I did not get out for a run this morning, though. I just was lying in bed, tossing and turning, just saying, nah, not even going to try to sweat this one. I'm just going to take the Advil and just try to, I'm just going to wait this one out. <laughs> So what happened with Cherry Hill? So one, I was underprepared in terms of uh, dressing up for it. I saw 40 degrees in my mind. That meant 60 degrees. So I went out there with like uh, a dry wig, long sleeve shirt. And by the time I got there to the event, it was cold. So I had to, I literally ran like a mile to get myself warmed up. And then I just pretty much had to like pretty much haul ass for that lap, those three laps, because I was just like, I have to get off this uh, course and get home. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend came with like with some hot tea. She had a blanket in the car. And I just I had to warm up like the next 10, 15 minutes after. So, yeah, so that was a that was a fun race. I put fun as a quotation mark. Mm-hmm. Good. Did she have the space blanket for you? Oh, she had like the uh, the wool. Okay. The nice wool blanket. So as soon as I got into the car, she had like the heated seats ready to go. And I was just like, thank you. Because I couldn't feel my toes or my fingers at that point. I have about four space blankets that are just stashed away. And I bring them almost to every run because one of the things, not just for when it's cold out, is mm-hmm. when you get into spring and summer. And if you're if we have to do something like say uh, Van Cortland or the Bronx, you're gonna have an hour plus subway ride and they're blasting the air conditioner and you just came out. It was like 90 degrees. You just ran, you get on these subway cars and they're blasting the AC and you're shivering. So I always, I always keep a space blanket with me now. That's not a bad idea. I may have to uh, take you off on that. And have that, I mean, with uh, the next following races coming up. I mean, the other thing you could also do is just carry an extra sweatshirt or something. But Yeah, that's it. That <laughs> <laughs> Which I foolishly didn't do. Right. <laughs> so how long have you been running? Well, 
I've started running since 2016. I did a little bit of track in high school, mm-hmm. but not like distance, long distance running. Uh, so I just did track in high school. Um, then I started weightlifting in college. Then post college, I was still weightlifting. And funny enough, I happened to have a former coworker who was running constant marathons and 10Ks and half marathons. And she kept telling me, Tony, you got to join, you got to run this 10K with me. It's fun. And then I kept going, no, I don't want to lose my muscle mass and X, Y, and Z. I'm lifting. I like, I kind of like how I look, whatever. And then 2016, I told her I'm going to run a half marathon, my first half. And then by that time she had gotten injured. So she had to take the whole year off. And miraculously enough, I had gotten into the New York City Marathon in the lottery. I just had to put my name there, you know, just thinking, like, I'm not going to get in. So because I got in, I ended up changing my goal from not only doing a half marathon, but also completing a New York City Marathon (laughs) in the same year. So that whole year, I was just training, just running, running, getting tips from uh, people. And at that time, I didn't have a group that I was with at the time. So I was just going online, Googling, getting stress fractures here and there, shin splints, hip injuries, you know, you know, the begin, you know, beginners runners, you know? Yeah. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, by the time I got to the Bronx 10 miler, I did, I was doing 20 miles for that event. And I just felt, I had that runner's high, I guess what people call it. Like, I just felt like really good. I was like, man, this is really fun. And I fell in love with it since then. And I've never stopped after that. For many people, they say like the New York City Marathon was their first marathon. There's those famous last words. I signed up for the lottery, not thinking I was going to get in. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Surprise. (laughs) Yeah, it was exactly what happened. My goal was to do a half marathon and leave the the running scene. That was the whole goal. It's just to prove that I can run a half marathon and I can step away and then go back to my normal uh, routine. But no, I haven't left since. I just love it, you know, and I'm just grateful. I found a great running club to run with and they're passionate about it too. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's great. Are you one of the people that run with music? I, I know you're a music fan and you have like a real eclectic taste in music. Do you train with uh, any kind of particular music? If I'm on the treadmill, AKA I call the dreadmill, I have to, I'll have some music just to keep me going. But um, I recently started running without uh, music. Um, I, I realized I wanted to get like a better pace in terms of my breathing, focusing how to, you know, especially when it gets tough in the latter miles of a race, I just want to kind of focus. So I've started running without the headphones. So I've been doing it for like almost over a year now. And it's, it's great. I, I had the race last week at the Cherry Hill and I didn't even bother even using it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a go-to band or music genre that you? Oh put- man, I can I can go from Pat Benatar to Pat? DMX. Yeah, Pat, Pat Benatar. Benatar. Yeah. Pat Benatar. <laughs> Love the battlefield. When that comes on, my heart rate goes up, mm-hmm. and I can like go for a while on that one. Yeah, so I have a collective range from Pat Benatar to System of a Down to Bob Marley uh, to Deftones. The Pointer Sisters, you name it. Right on. Fleetwood Mac. Yes, Fleetwood Mac is my, uh, they're like my favorite, one of my top favorite artists of all time. Um, I actually went to a concert uh, last year at the uh, Madison Square Garden and saw them for the first time. I was like, unbelievable. Lindsey Buckingham on guitar is yes. yeah, it's otherworldly. Yeah, and just to see Stevie Nicks when she's uh, singing Gypsy and then she does an infamous spin with a long dress and... Oh, man. Yeah. It's, I'm just having flashbacks of me there right now as we're talking about it. It's just so surreal. So surreal, man. So then bring us some more flashbacks. What what else besides running are, are you into? Like you, for hobbies or are you enjoying? Well, I love to paint. Um, not a lot of people know this, but I love to go to paint night. I love to paint. Um, I used to watch Bob Ross growing up. Um, 
With the and f- he happy, was so happy calm. clouds. Yeah, there you go. Happy clouds. You know, he's always saving the animals, you know, and he was just so calm and painting the tree brushes and beating the devil out of the uh, paintbrush. And I was just like, man, he's making these really good landscapes paintings. And uh, when I got older, I just started painting. I was using wall watercolor paints and oil painting canvases. And when I heard about paint night, I would just go there some stuff by myself just to paint. Like I didn't bring like a date or anything. I was like, I just want to go paint. Yeah. Um, I love doing that. Um, I used to be an anime. I loved anime at some point. I still do when I have time. Um, some DBZ. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is my, uh, thing. That's my, uh, my one go-to uh, anime. It's still going, it's still running to this day. Yeah. Well, Dragon, uh, Dragon Ball Super. I finished the series. Oh, yeah? yeah. It's like watch cartoon online or something like that. You can get the series. It's there's a sub and a dub and they brought back the original voices from the original Dragon Ball Z. Yes. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, if you're into anime, Pete, uh, I would also recommend Attack on Titan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty good. Somebody else mentioned that, so I'll have to dig in and check that out. And also, looking at running, you can channel your inner Goku. There you go, exactly. Uh, you want to go Super Saiyan level up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the fact that, like, you do OCR, so obstacle course racing, mm-hmm. and I know you at times you do need to power up. Yes. Yes, I need to take it to another level, definitely. Which actually, there's one race I know we're going to talk about the Spartan race. And oh boy. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, that's a little teaser for everybody. That's a little foreshadowing. <laughs> now, Darnell is like still suffering a little PTSD, I believe, from this oh, one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I bumped in you. I'm like, you have to tell the story. And you're like, I'm not ready. Exactly. I, I'm not ready to talk about it. <laughs> and now after a month. <laughs> <laughs> when you asked me, I was like, uh, you got to give me like another month to yeah. kind of get myself together. <laughs> so, so we have that in, as a nice treat in store. Well, let's then like start nice and happy and feel good. There you go. What would you consider was your best race? My best race, I would have to say the Brooklyn half back in 2018. That is where I PR'd. Um, I finished the race of like one hour, 44 minutes. Um, I was going for like a sub 150 and I went to the, the pre-race festivities and the lady had looked up my prior time from 2016 and she said, yo, you, you can definitely do a sub 145. And I was going, no, I can't. I, I didn't train for that. And then she actually took my name and she put it onto her app and she said, I'm going to track you. I'm going to, you're going to, I'm going to make sure that you get that 145. And throughout the whole race, I just kept thinking in my head, I do not slow down. She's tracking me. She's tracking me somewhere. Um, and no pressure. It was raining. Yeah, no pressure. And it was raining that day too. Um, last week you, you were at that event, but it was raining heavily right before the event and it rained throughout the whole day and i remember just zoning in and just trying to keep ahead of the pace leader and i was going to just keep moving just keep moving keep moving and i was just so surprised i was able to make it sub 144 so that's my best race uh thus far do you uh run with the pace groups do you find that helpful um yes and no yes in terms of in the beginning it helps me so I'm on track. But then after a while, if I get into a zone, I don't even pay any mind after that. I just keep moving. So I knew that the pace leader was behind me because I didn't see the pace leader. So I knew I was ahead of. So I was like, just just keep moving. Don't even think about it. You're you're on the time frame. So um, I try not to tend to stick with it because if I do, I'll get paranoid. And then if I go take a water break, I have to, I'll go, oh, no, I missed them. And then, you know, I have to like try to rush and it'll just throw my whole game off. So 
In the beginning, yes. And then later on, I just kind of like go off. I found that running with pace groups is helpful in certain times. And mm-hmm. especially if you're not necessarily racing so much more about if you're just going for a particular pace and especially at distance, because when you start getting into that 10 miles and over, your body's going to react to different mileage differently than everybody else. So yep. to stick with a nine minute pace group for a marathon is difficult because you might be having trouble around mile 10, 11, and then you get your legs back. And then if they're having a little dialed back at mile 17 or 18, but you feel like going, then you feel like you're stuck with them almost. So you don't want to break away because then it gets inside your head. Well, if I break away because I feel good, then I'm going to fall apart. That's a good point, Pete. Exactly. That's a really good point because that's exactly what I thought when I was at that pace. I was like, oh no, if I miss getting a water break, then I'm not gonna be able to catch up. And like you said, this moments of mile nine, you're like dragging a little bit, but then mile 10, you start picking up the pace and like you start feeling it again. Um, so that's why I don't really uh, do pace leaders or run with a pace anymore. I just kind of set on the goal. Like, all right, I'm gonna go for this time. That's it. Or whatever happens, happens. And I I like that philosophy. And the pace groups are great for people that are looking to build their marathoning or distance. I don't Mm -hmm. even I don't even know if they have like pace. Like, what is the distance that they start doing pace groups? Do they do pace groups at like 10 K's? I don't even remember. I think they start at the half, like half marathons. They have the pace um, leaders. That makes sense, because if you're doing a 5K, it's just go. Yeah, it's like now. What's your strategy for a five k? Go out as fast as you can and hang on for dear life. That's all you have to do. That's pretty much that's it. And people, okay, that is not coaching advice. I am not giving any. That is definitely not wise advice. It's just our own humor in this. Exactly. So before we get into you know your story, I now we're going to flip the switch and we're going to talk about your worst race. which is not necessarily what your story race is, but it's a different type of worst race. Yeah. Um, My worst race was the Fred Laveau half last year in 2019 Um, for two reasons. One, it was my worst half ever so far. And two, I wasn't supposed to be running that event to begin with because I was injured. And I went to my uh, sports doctor a week prior to that event. He said, you're not racing this weekend, right? And I said, no, 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 I'm not. He's like, yeah, because you are you cannot run right now. You're going to really severely damage your, your shins. And lo and behold, I was out there. And instead of trying to like take my time and run at like a 9-ish, 9.30-ish pace, I went off gunning it at like 7.30, 7.40s. And then by the time I got to mile like 9, I felt like a pop, like a sting in the lower back of my left uh, heel. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound good. And I ended up walking, dragging myself for the next four miles, I believe it was. And people kept stopping by thinking I needed like a gel or like some electrolytes. And I kept saying, no, no, fine. But it was really my leg was killing me. Um, I, yeah, my, that was my worst half. I think it came in like two hours and like 34, 40 minutes. It, it was pretty bad. I didn't want to get my, the thing engraved because I had a couple of friends with me. And we were supposed to go get engraved. I said, I, I'm not going to mind engraved. I'm like, I need to. I need a doctor right now. <laughs> you get the brain, I, I need a doctor. <laughs> I need a cast. I need a crutch. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what happened. Um, I went to the urgent uh, ER and they had said, oh, yeah, it's not 
broken, but it's definitely swollen. So I had an air cast. I had crutches. I had, couldn't put any pressure on my leg for at least a week. I had to work. On, yeah, it was a whole spiel. I thought I had, I thought I severely damaged my uh, my shins, uh, but luckily and behold, it wasn't. So I was out for like two, three months before I could start running again. Uh, and then the Brooklyn half of 2019 was my first race back. So, yeah, that was the worst. Moral of the story, when your doctor says, you're not running this weekend, right? <laughs> your answer is yes, I am not running. And you stick to it. <laughs> exactly. And then, <laughs> No, and I'm not running. Fingers crossed behind the back. Right. And if you are, if you are going to run with fingers crossed behind the hat, don't go too crazy and try to gun it like, you know, as if you were like 100%, you know. <laughs> At least try to walk, run it a little bit, jog, you know, but the competitive guy inside came into me at that point. So I got to like reshift my focus. So I learned a lot from that race. So it was my worst race, but I learned a lot from that race. <laughs> it was a character building moment. There you go, Pete. There you go. <laughs> look, look at the bright side of things. So you started getting into OCRs and yes. like and ultras. What, yes. what got you interested in those? Okay, so. As I was training for the New York City Marathon, I was going through a magazine and I saw a Spartan. I kept seeing this Spartan advertisement in these uh, ads in this magazine. I kept going, wow, that looks interesting. Wow. Like, I didn't know what it was all about. I just saw like these obstacles they kept talking about and you're running, you have a headband. And, you know, I was like, wow, this looks interesting. A fire jump. And I told myself when I'm done getting the New York City Marathon, like when I finish that, I'm going to attempt a Spartan race. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I, after 2016, um, I had an injury post-marathon, and I took a year off in 2017. And then 2018, I decided to do my first Spartan race at City Field, and that was in April of 2018. So I was still running, road running, uh, but I wanted to kind of slowly kind of get into this OCR realm. Um, and I, I loved it. I did it at City Field. It was a great event. Um, and I was like, well, I got to do another one. And then I did Tuxedo that was upstate. Mm -hmm. And that is where I was like, oh, this is a whole nother level. Um, so it was in the mountains somewhere in Tuxedo at a ski resort. And you, so you were by I, like Harriman State Park, you know, up in there. Yeah, yeah, up there. And I wasn't even prepared for it because I was thinking about City Field, how that was. <laughs> and I remember someone telling me at the event, they said, don't let this fool you um when you do like the outside the outdoor spartan with the mud and everything is a completely different mm -hmm. element uh, i should have listened to that part that was the premonition that the foreshadowing that they were giving me and um i at that event i broke my arm in three places i suffered a spiral fracture uh but in medical terms they called the lewis holstein fracture um so i had like i have a plate and screws and my left arm from the top of my arm down to the elbow so i was like I, that shut almost my whole racing year of 2018. And then I said, you know what? 2019 is redemption year. I'm coming back stronger. I'm coming back better. I'm going to do something even more crazier. So uh, one of my teammates in the OCR realm, uh, she had said, why don't you go for an ultra? And I was like, what? That sounds like a pretty good damn idea. Like, it's a 50K, 60 obstacles. What can go wrong? So I said, you know what? That's going to be my, my New York City Marathon goal for the OCR. Do a Spartan Ultra in 2019. And that was my big goal. So you broke your arm during the race. What was it on yep. any particular obstacle? How, how did you pull yeah. that one off? Okay. Well, it was hot 
that afternoon, uh, surprisingly, it was very humid. And at that point, it was uh, five miles, but it was so much high elevation up and down. It was uh, treacherous trails. And there was one obstacle they had. It was like these uh, gymnastic rings. They call it a rig. So you had to traverse across these rings and you have to ring the bell. It was the last obstacle before the fire jump and the finish line. So at this point, I was so exhausted and so tired. I just went, I just kind of like motionlessly just swung across these rings and I had happened to miss one ring. My right arm had missed. So my whole body had torts, but my left arm was still neutral. And all I heard was a pop. And I knew right there it was broken. And my left arm was still holding on to this ring and, and the rest of my body weight. I somehow rang the bell and I knew something was wrong when the back of my left hand hit the back of my head and I fell to the ground and the photographer saw it and he said dude are you alright? And I had gotten up my arm is dangling like in another opposite direction I said I don't think so <laughs> I had to like walk over the fire jump so I felt the fire <laughs> between my legs as I'm walking I couldn't jump I knew it I knew it was something bad and I was screaming back there at the, uh, the medical tent I was like I gotta go to hospital I don't touch me, don't touch me. Um, and then we ended up uh, having the surgery back in the city. So it was a two hour drive back to the city. Um, and then I had surgery over the weekend. And uh, there, it was, I think, three, four months recovery period. Yeah, so. So you still have a plate? Or was that yeah, just a temporary? You still have, I still okay. have a plate. Yeah, they said um, they can take it out, but it's not necessary. It's not bothering you because, it, you know, there's no point. So I, so people have been calling me Bionic Man's or Bionic D. <laughs> now you have a sense, yeah, because they have. <laughs> so it's, it's a nice little tag name I got now because of it. So we're gonna have to tag you and like when you're doing the marathon, you're like when everybody puts their name on their shirt, you know, just go like Bionic D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so does that affect you? Do you feel it running? Uh, can you predict the weather? Is it one of those situations? Yeah, you know when there's bad weather. That's about to come. Like it feels like uh, that Spider-Man tingling feeling. Like you get this tingling feel in my arm. Like like it's like oh, is this gonna be like a bad day? Like it's gonna be really cold, or something's gonna happen. And it is. And then it ends up being like either a cold day, or it's gonna rain for like three days. So something with the metal, the titanium, and the body kind of like has like this weather thing going on. Yeah, so that happens. Well, please don't run when it's lightning out. We, I think it might, <laughs> like it'll like focus in on you. It's like, oh, look, moving targets. <laughs> well, if it's a near same marathon, I can't uh, make any promises on that piece. So. <laughs> if your doctor says don't run, <laughs> you're going to do it anyway. I will, yep. <laughs> And I'm not condoning anyone to do that. Please do not listen to what I, I'm doing. Um, I'm a lunatic at times. Don't do as I do. Don't do as I say. Right. Just, <laughs> just don't do it. Put that disclaimer. Right. <laughs> don't listen to any of our advice during this podcast. <laughs> exactly. All advice given during this podcast is completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> This, this makes up because yeah, I had a, a, a coach on um, a few weeks ago, uh, Yumi <clears throat> Nagano, and she was, it was fantastic. She was giving this amazing advice. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. This is the stuff you should be listening to. This one? No. <laughs> Just don't. The complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so then let's get into... You told me about the Spartan race and we joked about like the PTSD because it was pretty bad, but it wasn't yeah. like something that you went into unprepared. 
it was just more about, I'd say, the conditions? Yes. All right. So fill us in on the Spartan race. So just to give a brief uh, breakdown of what Spartan racing is, Spartan racing, they have uh, different levels of obstacles and different stretch races. So they have, a, you know, equivalent of a 5K a sprint. They have a super, which is like a 10K for running. And then they have like a, they call the beast, which is like a half marathon with the obstacles. So each race has their own specific obstacles. And each time you go to a different race level, let's say you went from a sprint to a super, the obstacles get a little bit harder and there's new obstacles in each one. Um, so, and so you have to kind of endure the obstacle involvement. So you're either swinging through wings or you're climbing ropes or you're jumping over walls or you're carrying heavy sandbags up a hill or is it muddy uh you lift it it's a lot involved you're crawling in mud you're dunking yourself in water over uh so that's what spartan racing is um but on this particular day because i trained throughout the whole summer just training for this ultra i was going my long runs in and i was also going to the gym strength training so when i got there it was at this equestrian center this big dash center in North Carolina. And the day we got there on Friday, the race was on Saturday, the 23rd. When we got there on uh, Saturday, Friday that afternoon, it was the most beautiful, gorgeous weather. We're all like going, wow, this is a great day for a race. And I was like, wow, imagine if you were racing today, this would be great. And in my head, I was going, I want to be out of this race in like eight hours if it was today. In and out. Saturday was completely different. It was cold. And it was raining. It rained throughout the whole day. So everyone that went there, if you didn't bring like a layer of clothing just in case, you were pretty much asked out and you probably would have gotten hypothermia because a lot of people DNF'd at that event due to hypothermia. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you have to go through, it's 50K. So you go through this one lap once with the obstacles. There's a transition area that you go to. So you have your bucket or you have like, your your backup stuff so like once you make it to that transition you get to kind of replenish yourself eat something real quick change gear but you don't want to be in that transition area too long because you don't want your body going back to recovery mode you want to keep moving but this particular race was so bad that people were just shivering at the transition area like they were trying to like keep themselves warm they were trying to like find like a fire to keep themselves warm and i remember going into the transition area and it was still raining. It was muddy. It was, they have this orange clay mud out there in the Carolinas that is really hard to get off. Uh, it, it, I still have on my watch to this day. I, I can't get it off. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, this mud is special out there, this red clay mud. And I remember going into the transition area. I had to put on these uh, these special leg mitts, they call it, these gloves, to keep my hands warm because I was freezing. Lucky enough, I had brought a jacket, a layer jacket to bring with me. So I had to put that over me. And I was supposed to like eat something real quick, but I had to bring everything with me and chug a quick pop tart in my mouth while I'm going back out into the event because I knew if I stayed there like a minute longer, I was gonna like probably just sit there and freeze to death. And be like, you know, I'm gonna tap out. Yeah, like the cars close by. There's a building nearby yeah. that has heat in it. So yeah, this becomes that mental part. Exactly. And they strategically put the transition area next to the parking lot. So they're pretty much saying, hey, you know. You can go in your car, it's warm, you're right there, it's like five feet away. So they strategically put it right there so like, to like to mess with you. But it was so bad because throughout the whole course, all you kept hearing over the uh, the volunteers uh, over the PA, they kept saying, uh, 
uh, racer at mile 13, uh, they need help, or racer mile is out, hypothermia. They were picking people up in trucks wow. at one point. Yeah, it was that bad because people were just freezing. I remember walking into uh, someone who was asking me, oh, do you know when's the next mile? Because um, my teammate is... Uh, I think he's catching hypothermia. He just kept walking back in small circles like, oh, my God, this is rough. This is not good. They got the search and rescue teams working overtime. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And I just kept thinking to myself, just keep moving. You know, it's like keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Um, It got to a point where um, I had to kind of like really dig deep. And I remember listening to this guy named David Goggins. And uh, I kept saying to myself, like, what would Goggins do? Um, I kept saying these quotes, who's going to carry the boats? I know what the boats are. If anyone keeps asking, that's what he kept saying. Because uh, he was a Navy SEAL. So mm-hmm. I just kept saying he's going to carry the boats. And um, funny enough, I just kept pushing. And at one point, around like mile 27, the rain was hitting the the mud, but it had looked like vol- like many volcanoes popping out of this goo. I can't describe it. It was like a psychedelic kind of thing. Um, anyone who was there at that event, they know what I'm talking about. It was I was hallucinating. Uh, it was just the way it was coming off the mud because the drops was hitting the the porch because people were stepping on this mud, but it left these little crater holes in it. So now the water is, is picking up and now the drops are forming and this, the way that it slid, I can't describe it. It was just it was beautiful for that moment. Like, wow, like even in these conditions, mm-hmm. nature is beautiful at that moment. Um, towards the end of the race, um, I thought the race became like a carnival because they had like these lights up for a Christmas show. So it looked like a, like a carnival at this point. I didn't know where to go. Someone was directing me where to go. Um, I didn't know where the, where the changing area was. I can't remember the last part of that race when I crossed that finish line. I can't, I don't remember jumping over the fire to the finish line. People ask me about that. I'm like, I can't remember that. I don't remember that at all. All I know, I was back at the hotel and I was just out of it. Well, jumping over the fire. I mean, at some point I probably would have just stayed at the fire pit. (laughs) It's like, wait, well, you only have a mile to the finish. I'm like, no, I'm good right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was... I would love to have to stay by that fire jump, but there were like other races that would probably just trample me over because uh, they're trying to jump over to to get back into their car as well. <laughs> but that was one of my uh, most difficult races I've uh, ever done. It was, it was the, definitely the conditions of that race made it that much difficult. It was supposed to be like a, a really good time. Like, you know, probably finished in like eight hours, nine. I didn't finish that thing in like 12 hours. And you had to have your headlamp with you. So you started in the dark. And it ended in the dark. So you had to switch a lamp on. That even made it worse because now you had to make sure like you were stepping in the right section. You didn't want to like slip, twist an ankle. Um, but man, I, I, that really, really, uh, I really had to dig deep for that one. What was the DNF percentage? Wasn't it something like 65 or 70% DNF'd? Yeah, I, someone had posted the, the numbers like a day, uh, two days later, over the, after the weekend was over on Tuesday and that following week, and they had posted saying like, yeah, like, maybe like, like a 65, 70% DNF rate. And I was just like, what? And I was like, wow, I can't believe it. And like me witnessing it at, when I was there, I kept remember seeing people who was just calling it out, like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. You're, you're watching the bodies drop. Yeah, exactly. You're witnessing it. And, you know, when you keep seeing people leaving, you, you start questioning yourself, like, 
is it worth it? Like, is my health worth, you know, just for this buckle? That kind of thing, you know, is it, I'm, I'm going all the way out for this buckle. I'm like, like, will I even make it alive to get the buckle? <laughs> you know, um, you know, lucky enough I did. But um, yeah, I, I saw at least, at least 50 people drop out during my, my time on that, on that course. So the numbers, you know, when I heard it, I was like, yeah, hey, you know what, that, that probably was right. Um, because I've seen left and right was up the whole day. I seen people drop out at mile 24. I was like, oh no, you're almost there. Like, come on, don't. But you know, when your body's shutting down, your body's shutting down. And the most important thing is like your health first. That's important. Typically in these type of races, if it's not a huge field, you get spread out. Did you find yourself alone or did you end up running with some people or getting to the obstacles with some others? And was there a conversation of that? This is terrible. Like, or you're trying to support <laughs> each other and like, let's get through this. Yeah. And the, so I went there with like uh, five of my uh, teammates in the LCR and you know, in the beginning, you're all jumbled together. It's just like road running. You know, in the beginning, you're like staggered starts, but you're all like together and you know, you're all amped up like, yeah, you know, you know, whatever. And then eventually you start getting that space. <laughs> and then at that one uh, point in time, you're going to end up just walking by yourself for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And then you'll probably see like one person here or there. Um, I remember, you know, someone, one, one of their teammates um, had twisted their ankle so she was limping. So we were like just trucking along like together. We were, we were just trying to like keep ourselves um, out of that zone. And we were just going like, you know, why are we doing this again? Like, why are we doing this? Like everyone out, like someone has said, yeah, um, I could have been at home or probably at brunch enjoying a nice mimosa. And we're here killing ourselves. It's cold. It's muddy. She has a sprained ankle. I can't feel my toes. And, you know, so we were trying to, you know, keep ourselves like, you know, not to really keep focusing on the conditions and just kind of like get our head a little bit out of it and just kind of get a good laugh. Um, there's times where people were going like, oh man, I wish I had your gloves because it was so cold. Like those gloves were my lifesaver. If I didn't have those gloves, Pete, I don't know if I would have made it um, because it was just that bad. And people were just talking to themselves. I was one, I was talking to myself. You know, you're by yourself. So you just go, you know, like, come on, please, God, somewhere. Like, you just start singing songs. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was just that because we never saw the sun for the whole day. It was like a Twilight Zone episode where some just one day we didn't see not the sun. It was just it just rained all day. Not a glimpse, not a cloud. The whole, it was like a one big cloud had just stayed right at that event for the whole entire day. So you couldn't tell what time it was. You knew only thing you knew was it was dark in the beginning. It's gray all day and it's dark at night. And that was it. <laughs> and you had to channel the inner Goggins. Uh, yeah, and that and that's a great book because I was reading that and I was a uh, mid ultra. I don't want to go up this hill again. I don't need another four mile uphill on my third loop. And I was doing that. You know, come on Goggins, come on Goggins. Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, instead of saying, come on, Peter, come on, Peter, I was like, come on, Goggins. I'm like, wait, I'm not even, I'm like, I, my brain is just, and, and the worst is like, <clears throat> when you finally got to the top, because now at that, some points you couldn't run because it was so steep. Right. So you get to the peak and you come over and it's flattened out and you're still walking. You're like, oh, oh I have to remind myself to start running again. <laughs> and that was happening at that event. Like there was these parts where you just couldn't run. And then when you got to that part where you could run, you, your legs kind of forgot like, oh yeah, we can run. So you had to like try to find yourself to start running 
to pick up the pace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just to feed up what you just said about Goggins, you know, um, one of the things that he's taught me is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and that is the thing that I'm trying to take with me, you know, throughout every race event. Um, like even in New York City half, like my lungs are screaming or they're crying out for air, you know, I'm just going like, all right, just keep pushing, you know, keep pushing, get comfortable with this, you know. Um, it's tough. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna stay here and tell you like, oh yeah, just say that. And then you're going to be just fine. No, it's going to it's going to be a constant, you know, uh, torture rack for like the next 15, 20 minutes, depending on the situation. But um, once you get there, man, up to the other side, you're like, man, it was worth it. Like, man, I got I finished or I knew I had it in me. You know, you, people don't know that they're capable of doing more than what they think, you know, until you hit that wall and you just fight that demon right in front of you. Um, and. Anything's possible. And, and then when you finish, all that temporary pain goes away. And then you have that pain that lasts for a few more days, the recovery pain. Yeah. <laughs> and the mental pain. Month. Yeah. Yeah. I took a month. I didn't race. I didn't uh, do any training. I took a whole month off after that. I said, I'm done. Like, I was supposed to do a race. Uh, I think I also do the the jingle. Uh, what's it called? The the New York, the New Year's Eve race they, that they have. Uh, or the New Year's. There's a New Year's Eve. They also have the Jingle Bell Jog, which is just yes. be, like mid December. Yeah, I was supposed to do that. I didn't even bother showing up. I, <laughs> I was like, you can have my money. I don't want the uh, the refund. I, I I'm I just need like to recover for the rest of this year because. That was a very traumatic uh, race experience. So when you finished, did you say? No more, or was it? When can I sign up for the next one? Oh, when I was done, I think has someone had asked me, "Oh, so you're gonna go for the uh, the next ultra in Vermont in 2020?" I said, "I'm not doing another ultra. I'm not doing. I know. I said I'm not doing another Spartan ultra. That's what I said. I was like, I'm not doing another Spartan ultra. Um, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to another ultra, and I also actually want to do like a a non ultra race, um, like a 50k, mm-hmm. 60k, um, and then hopefully a 50 miler. So that me doing that Spartan ultra had pushed me to another level in my mind where I'm, hey, you know what? I could probably do this other thing um, if I just take out the obstacles at that race and just do like a 50k, 60k, just running or 50 miler, like. I can do this. So my goal is now is to kind of uh, get a 50 miler non OCR buckle under my belt. And right on, yeah. miler. You're much better prepared for that now because you yeah. don't have to deal with the <laughs> obstacles. Exactly. <laughs> so don't know. We got to wrap up, but this was awesome. I've been trying to get you to tell the story. So I'm so happy you got to finally know, hear see, it. <laughs> I know every time we uh, ran, you kept asking me about the story. I'm like, uh, give me like a month. And I'm like, it became like two months. I'm like, Pete, can we reschedule this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold you down. I'm going to like just put like say we're recording this now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so turn it back. Yeah. So no, I appreciate, it, man. This is this has been fantastic. Uh, do you have any maybe some uh, parting words of wisdom for our listeners who maybe want to get into OCR? Um, I would like to say if you think you're you're not strong enough or you think you can't do an obstacle. Just do it. Like you will surprise yourself. Trust me. Um, you don't have to be in the gym five days a week to do an obstacle course race. Um, you will surprise yourself. So I would just tell someone just not even bother thinking about it. Just sign up for one and just go ahead and do it. Like City Field is this April coming up. There goes your prelude. If you want to test out, you know, like if you can do it. And trust me, you, you'll have fun. It's either you hate it or you love it. But I, from a racing peer to another, um, I think you guys will all enjoy it. 
Yeah, right on. Yeah, I, I can second that. The OCR races, the Tough Mudders, the Spartans, you can do it. And like, because there are people that, of course, are training to go all in and race it. But if you have some sort of physical ability, you can go do it. Or if you're not good on that one particular obstacle, go do the burpees or whatever you have to do as the penalty and then just run around it and move on to the next one. But getting muddy, getting wet, doing all these things, it's a, an adult jungle gym. Exactly. Exactly. The thing you know, people think about, oh, no, it's going to get muddy. No, it's a, it's a great feeling. Like, like you kind of relived like when you were a kid, you know, when you were a kid, you were playing in the mud, you were having fun, you know, and, and you're kind of like going through that now as an adult, but and at a racing event. Um, so the, the mud thing, people don't like to get muddy. So, you know, but it, trust me, there's a water, there's, you enjoy the, the experience in itself. Um, and even if you can't do the obstacles, um, there's open, they have a different setting of elite competitive age group. And then you have uh open, so you can run your own race pretty much. If you can't do an obstacle, you just go to the next one. You yeah. don't have to do burpees. Um, you know, so just go out there and try it. And I think uh, you'll enjoy it. And you have definitely have more in the tank than what you think you can do. Just always remember that. And you'll have a great story to share. Exactly. <laughs> Darnell, thank you so much. This has been a blast. I'm glad we got to do this. I wish you all the, the best of luck and maybe hopefully I'll be running one with you soon. So, Oh, that's definite. P. Yeah, yeah, man. I, right know you, I know you're an ultra. Uh, oh, right. yeah. So I said yeah. I, I want to do like a, a non-OCR ultra. So let's yeah, do let me, it. I have to let, no, I have to let, let me know which uh, races are you doing so I can probably attempt one of these. All right. I'll let you know, man. All right. Thank you so much, sir. You have a great night and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Pete. All Thanks right. for having Cheers. me on. Okay. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace. <laughs>